Welcome to this week's podcast from Free Chapel in Orange County. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information, check out our website at freechapel.org. 1 Samuel chapter 17, we're going to start at verse 32. And uh, if you have a Bible, look on with us. If you do not, we've got some giant Bibles on the left and right of me that will come up with the screen. Uh, excuse me, 1 Samuel, excuse me, 1 Samuel chapter 17 and verse 32. Um, even if you are not uh, a believer and you might just be checking this out, you've probably heard of David and Goliath. You've probably heard that term. It was a real David and Goliath story. Well, we're going to look at it a little bit today. And, um, and then tonight we will go a totally different direction. So come back tonight if you can. And we're going to uh, believe tonight for people who would like to receive uh, the power and the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And so uh, people who are clapping have been baptized with the Holy Spirit. <laughs> and then there's like another half of you that are like, I've heard of this. It's really easy. We have you drink some Kool-Aid. We hand you a rattlesnake and you get the Holy Ghost. No, I'm just Drink this, honey. Okay, none of that, none of that. We will have a very easy and simple moment at the end of our service where we will pray. And we're gonna believe that God's gonna meet you right there. And, um, and we believe that you can receive a, what the Bible calls a heavenly language. When you don't know what to say, and you don't know what to pray, and you don't know what to do, we have what, Dr. Wendell Smith called the Holy Spirit advantage. And that's tonight, okay? So come back tonight if you if you would. Bring a friend. Um, but right now we're going to get into this. Verse 32, don't worry about this Philistine, David told Saul. I'll go fight him. Don't be ridiculous, Saul replied. There's no way you can fight the Philistine and possibly win. You're only a boy, and he's been a man of war since his youth. Notice that Saul calls Goliath a man from his youth. So Saul can only see Goliath as a man, but he can only see David as a boy. I just want you to see that because many of the people in your life can only see you one way. <laughs> but if you want to go where God wants you to go, you might have to leave some people. All right. I'm already in your business at nine in the morning. But David persisted, I've been taking care of sheep and goats. When a lion and a bear comes to steal the lamb from the flock, I go after it with a club. Man, David was hood, right? And I rescue the lamb from its mouth and the animal turns on me. I catch it by the jaw and I club it to death. I have done this to lions and bears and I will do it to this pagan Philistine too. I, I, I got to be honest, I, I actually love the King James there because it says this uncircumcised Philistine. Just being a little more graphic. <laughs> he has defied the armies of the living God. The Lord who rescued me from the lion and the bear will rescue me from the Philistine. Now, maybe just jot this down if you're taking notes. Acts 13, 22, God says, I have found David, son of Jesse, a man. But Saul called him a boy. But God called him a man. <laughs> so who are you listening to, Saul or God? A man after my own heart. I've found David, son of Jesse, a man 
after my own heart. One more time, this is verse 37. The Lord who rescued me from the claws of the lion and the bear will rescue me. I wanna preach from that subject. The Lord who rescued me will rescue me. The Lord who rescued me will rescue me. Father, thank you for this moment. Thank you for all you're gonna do. Thank you for our great church and all that you're doing in us and through us. And Lord, I pray that in these next few moments, you would release uh, the miracle we need and the faith we need to continue in this journey. And I thank you for it in Jesus' name. Everybody said, amen. <clears throat> thank you. I have found, I, I think that's so amazing. God says, I have found God. God is looking. This is amazing to me. And God is not looking in the way that we think of Santa Claus looking to see if you're naughty or nice. He, he knows we're all naughty. <laughs> so that, that ain't even the issue. He's, he's, he's looking. He's looking for something in you, in your heart that says, God, I'm willing. Not I'm perfect. Not I've never made a mistake. Not I don't have a past. Not, not I'm qualified. But just there's something in the heart. God says, I'm looking for somebody with heart. I'm looking. I'm looking. And God is Looking, this is amazing to me because I kind of grew up in a, in a, in a way that was just thought, you know what, God, you do you th your thing and I'll do my thing and let's just not cross paths and I won't mess with you and you don't mess with me and, 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 and I'll just try to be a good person and you do God's stuff and then, you know, we'll just, hopefully it'll all work out in the end. But, but that is not the God that we serve. We serve a God who is looking. We serve a God who is pursuing. We serve a God who is calling. We serve a God that wants to partner with us in our life. The, the Bible would say it like this, the eyes of the Lord look. God, God is looking. God is going to and fro across the earth, looking for somebody that he can show his faithfulness to and his strength to. This is the God that we serve, and he's a God that does what he does through people in our weakness, in our fears, in our failures. He, he, he doesn't say, okay, clean yourself up and figure it all out and work it all out. And then I'll use you. He says, I already know you're unqualified, but I am so qualified that my qualification will override your unqualified and we can do something great together. This is the God that we serve. I, I think of, of the absolute tragedy just a few days ago of this man who brought so much destruction in Orlando. I think of this mom in Dallas this week who killed her own family and then was shot by the police who could bring so much destruction. One person can do so much damage. But how much more can a man of God and a woman of God who says yes to God bring so much life and so much faith and so much breakthrough into our world? If, if one man can bring death to 50, how many know one man of God can bring life to 50,000? Because our God is greater and light is always greater than darkness and light will always push back. The darkness, but you can choose to watch your TV and be paralyzed in fear, or you can decide greater is he that is in me. And if one man can bring death, what can one man do to bring life when he partners or when she partners with God? We think of the Billy Grahams or the Mother Teresas or 
Or this week, uh, watching Tim Tebow in a, in a cancer ward, talking to young boys and young girls and bringing so much hope. I don't know if you've seen the picture of this incredible father who his son got a massive scar here from a surgery from cancer. So the father shaved his head and got the same exact scar with a tattoo so that he could look like his son. And I, and I just go, oh, that's awesome. That's, that's what God does. That's what we can do. We can bring life to dead situations and hope where there is no hope and encouragement where there's fear and, and faith where there is doubt. We, we, we may never do great things, but we can do little things very great. And if we would all just do something, it would turn in to a great thing. But life is all about choices. We choose life or we choose death. God said it that way. He said, he said, today I put before you life and death. You choose. We choose Jesus or we choose the world. We choose God's way or we choose our way. This is a story about a young man who made a decision. He did not wake up that morning thinking he would fight Goliath. I don't know if you remember, he was serving cheese and bread. He was the first Domino's delivery. <laughs> he just came with food for his brothers. He did not know that day he would fight. And in our life, we don't always choose our fight. Sometimes the fight chooses us. I didn't choose my giants. My giants chose me. I didn't choose to be born into the family I was born into. I didn't choose to be abused. I didn't choose to be born into a family of drug addicts or alcoholics. I didn't, I didn't choose to see what I saw at six years old. I didn't, I didn't choose that my uncle would do what he did to me. I didn't, I didn't choose to be born on the wrong side of the tracks. But, but life, friends, is about 10% what happens to you. And about 90% your response to what happens to you. You may not have chosen your fight, but if you've got Jesus, you can win your fight. Can somebody shout real quick? And David, David didn't choose his fight, but here he is. He, he rose up with pizza. And he, and he hears something. He hears Goliath and he finds out that for 40 days and for 40 nights, Goliath has been taunting the armies of God morning and evening. And the Bible would say in verse 16 and in verse 23, it was his usual taunts, usual taunts, the Bible said. So I don't know what it was, but every morning and every night, Goliath had a script. Every morning and every night, Goliath would taunt the people of God. 80 times in 40 days, the children of Israel hear the giant. They hear the taunt. They, they hear the curse. They, they hear the insults. They, they hear what the enemy is saying week after week, month after month. For some of you, it's year after year. You'll, you'll never get out of that. You'll always be this way. 
You'll always think this way. Your, your child will never get better. Your marriage can never improve. Your husband will always be lost. Your wife will always be crazy. Amen. I got to pick on the women too. Amen. Amen. Because y'all crazy. Amen. No man's going to, every guy's like, oh, no, honey. Yeah, we know you're crazy. You'll, you'll always be at this place. The usual taunts. And, and every person in here has a different taunt. Because of your background and because of your family and because maybe even your ethnicity, maybe even your upbringing, maybe what happened to you or what has gone on in your life. See, all of us have a different taunt, but we all have the same Jesus. <laughs> and though we have thousands of voices coming against us, we only need one name to speak against those voices and see something change. That's why we all the same in that we look different, we act different, and we all have different stories, but we all have the same Savior. And that is our common denominator. But for 40 days, this giant taunts and he taunts and he taunts. You can't do it. It will always be this way. You'll never make it. It was better before you were serving God. Oh, you are so holy and stuck up at 930 in the morning. The devil didn't care about you before you got saved. You weren't a threat then. You were just another zombie. But then you said yes to Jesus and all hell breaks loose. And you're going, it was better before I was a tither. My God, what happened? That's called warfare. Welcome. I didn't choose the fight, but now I'm in the fight. And I've got to make a decision. You have to make a decision. Do I, do I just cower in fear or... Do I do something about it? And David hears about it. And the people say to him in verse 25, have you seen the giant? Have you heard the giant? That's why we have to be so careful what we look at and what we listen to. Because their eye gate and their ear gate were directly connected to their heart gate. And what you let into your eyes and what you let into your ears will immediately go to your heart. That's why the Bible said, guard your heart for out of it flows the issues of life. And so depending upon what you let in, that's what's going to come out. I can tell everything I need to know about you in about a 20 minute conversation. Because it's going to come out of your heart. It's going to come out of your mouth. And I will know immediately what you've been looking at and what you've been listening to. But David said in verse 40, just give me some rocks and a slingshot. And I will do what none of you are willing to do. I think I can throw something at him that might take him down and. I want to talk about the five rocks of David. I want to talk about five things we have to do to take down our giant, to take down our Goliath, to take down, and, and, and obviously we are speaking now metaphorically, we are speaking of the spirit, the attitude, the ideology that is whatever that thing is that's trying to take your life down. 
Because we wrestle not with flesh and blood. We wrestle against principalities and powers. And so, I want to give you five things very quickly that I think God can really help you through. And the first one is this, the rock number one. You need a God focus. You need a God focus. We see in verse 26, he says, who is defying the armies of the living God? If you will read your Bible, you will find out for the first 26 verses, you don't hear about God. Goliath is talking about Israel and Israel's talking about Goliath, but nobody's talking about God. And it is so easy to just talk about our giants, talk about our issues, talk about what's going on. Jesus did not say, speak about the mountain. He said, speak to it. Now, we didn't say deny it for all you faith, 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 faith people. Glory to God, glory to God, everything's good, 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 good. Got to protect my confession. Stop it. He didn't say deny the mountain. But he didn't say just talk about the mountain. He said, speak to the mountain. But for 40 days and 40 nights, Goliath is talking about them and they are talking about Goliath and David rolls up on the scene and says, this isn't about the enemy and this isn't about me. This is about God. And if I can get God in my situation, things can turn around. It's the first time we see God in the story, but the moment you can bring God into your story, things can begin to change. See, Immediately, out of the place David was in, he starts talking God talk. Because he, he's been on the backside of the wilderness, worshiping, singing songs, having a face-to-face -face with God, having a relationship with God that was so real that when he got in the fight, the first thing that came out of him was God. What, what comes out of you in the fight? What rises in the fight? What comes out of your mouth in the fight? For David, it was God. Why? Because to David, God was awesome. To David, God was a warrior. <laughs> to David, God was alive. For he said, the God, the living God. The, the living God. To David, God was concerned. To, to David, God was involved. To David, God didn't like what was going on. And so David thought, I don't like it. And God don't like it. And I'm not all that, but God's all that. And if he don't like it, I think we can see a change happen. I, I've got to ask you this question. Who is bigger to you, God or your giant? See, to the armies of Israel, Goliath was huge. But to David, Goliath was small. Not because Goliath was small, but because God was so much bigger. Who is bigger to you? Your giant or your God? Your mountain or your God? Your enemy or your God? Your fears or your God? You need a God focus. That's why it's so important in the morning when you are getting up and you're going to work. I understand talk radio and I understand the, the listening to music. And, and I think we should have your favorite genre. Do what you do. But at some point, you got to get a God focus. And 
I know I sound like a broker. I feel like every time I'm up here, I'm going, you got to get you some praise and worship. But you do. You really do. And you got to worship and you got to get your eyes on God because you're driving to work and you're going, I'm going to punch my boss today. This is the day I'm going to cut him. I'm going to cut him today with a with a with a pen. It's going right through his hand. It's going to happen. But do you have a boss focus or a God focus? What, what do you, what, you got to get a God focus. I know what it's like. I've been married 10 years. I know what it's like to wake up in the morning and you look at your spouse and you go. Look at you sleeping. Snoring. I'm a slapping. What? I'm sorry. That come out of my mouth. I was talking about my wife. That's what Shannon does to me. But you got to get a God focus. You got to grab your spouse's hand and go, we're going to pray. About what? I don't know, but we need God. Your kid's going crazy. We need God. You got to get, bring God into the equation and don't make him your last resort. Make him your first response. The first thing that came out of David's mouth was, what's up with God? Where's God in this thing? You need a God focus. Number two, you need a ridiculous reality. I love, I love this verse. Look at verse 32. David said, don't worry about the Philistine. Don't worry about him. And Saul's response, verse 33, don't be ridiculous. Here's your reality. Your reality is either don't worry or don't be ridiculous. You got to be able to look at your life because you're God-centered and you have God in the equation. And now you can look at every giant and go, I ain't worried. I mean, my flesh is tripping a little bit and I'm losing a little bit of sleep and I'm eating a little extra ice cream, but I ain't worried. Oh, we're in Orange County. Been drinking a little more kale, you know. Praise the Lord. Whatever. Whatever. What's up with organic ice cream? It don't even taste like ice cream. I need chemicals, people. I need it to be smooth and creamy. Amen. Okay, sorry. But I ain't worried. David looked at the giant and said, I ain't worried. And Saul said, don't be ridiculous. You need a ridiculous reality. Where you just say, I know, I know this sounds crazy, but I really believe God is bigger than this. I know, I know this sounds so dumb and it's so countercultural, but I really believe God can do a miracle. I know what the doctors have said and I know what the therapist has said and I know what the economy is saying and I know what's going on with Brexit and I know what's going on in the UK and I know what's coming to America, but, but I, I'm just not worried because I actually think God is bigger than my political system. I'm just not worried. And, and Saul says, but you're a boy. But God would say, no, 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 he's a man. You've got to be so careful what voices you're letting in your life. Because they will try to keep you in the season you were in. They don't like that you've gone to a different level. I love this picture of a, of a caterpillar and a, 
uh, butterfly and they're at a converse, they're at a table having a conversation and the caterpillar looks at the butterfly and says, you've changed. We need to get that for the next service. Ain't it so true? I, w- I was a boy. I was like that. I used to do that. I, that, that used to be my bent, but, but I'm no longer that because God said I'm a man. God has brought me to a new place. But, but you are either listening to Saul or you're listening to God. You must decide. And in verse 34, the Bible says David persisted. There's something in his, in his reality, in this ridiculous reality that said, no, 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 I really, I really believe he just kept pushing. I think of Philippians chapter 3 when Paul said, I press. There was just something about him that just was pressing, was persisting. Will you be a dreamer or a worrier? Will you walk by faith or will you live in fear? But I'm telling you, it is in the moment where you are facing a giant that you can learn things and that you can see things that will take your life to a whole new level. Listen to what the name Goliath means. Ooh, okay, we're about to run. Where's my organ? Just kidding. <laughs> Goliath means to uncover, to reveal, to disclose. To make known. The giant you are currently facing can reveal that you are actually bigger on the inside than the Goliath is on the outside. This is actually, um, the moment of warfare is actually a moment of revelation. (laughs) The moment of warfare is actually a revealing. The moment of warfare is actually an uncovering of not how big your giant is, that's obvious, but how big your God is, how big you are, how strong you really are, how strong the God inside of you is. And the moment you can see that greater is he. But it happens not when everything's going good, but when you're looking at Goliath. But it's, it's a moment of revelation. Goliath thought he was out there taunting and looking how big he is. But in reality, he was revealing how big God is. Giants reveal your calling. Okay, sorry. I had to get that out of me. I've been at Forward. I've been at a youth conference. Giants uncover our gifting. Giants make known your anointing to others. Sorry. You're new and you're freaked out and I'm going to calm down right now. (laughs) Giants are a moment of discovery. Every time you face a Goliath, it can be a moment. Not to see how great it is. You already know how great it is. But to see how great God is. It is in the fight that you find out who God is and you find out who you are. Number three, we got to keep moving. Number three, the third rock you need is a miracle memory. Mm-hmm. David said in verse 34, the Lord who rescued me. He's going to rescue me. The David, look, David looked back on victory and it gave him the faith 
for victory. He said, I've dealt with a lion. I've dealt with a bear. And now I can go after a Goliath. Now, something you need to know about lions and bears is that if you fight them, you never run away from them. You stand your ground. And when all else fails, you go right after him. Do you not realize that when David went against Goliath, he did not run away from him. He ran at him. Read the text. So everything you've been through has actually been preparation for where you're going. And you didn't know why you had to fight that lion and you didn't know why you had to fight that bear. But it's actually only been getting you ready to go against a Goliath that is about to reveal your God, reveal your gift, reveal your anointing. But it's not just for you, it's for everybody around you. Can somebody shout real quick? I promise I'll move on. But he's run at lions and he's run at bears and now he's running at a Goliath. But here's what's so amazing about this is that David was a man of pain. When he was anointed, his father Jesse brought his seven sons before Samuel to be anointed. And not one of them was the one God wanted. And Samuel said, I know I heard from God. I know it's one of your boys. And Jesse would say, this is in the chapter before, he'd go, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I've got one more. It's the, it's the youngest. Did not even call him by his name and did not call him his eighth son. Many theologians, and then, and then when David rolls on the scene, Samuel writes, he was dark skinned. In other words, he don't look like his brothers or his daddy. Most theologians believe that Jesse had an affair with a black woman. Amen. <laughs> Shut me down, girl. I feel that. I felt that in the. <laughs> and you got me go. I feel a little something in my leg when you did that. <laughs> Jesse would have been a Hebrew and his wife would have been a Hebrew and they had seven Hebrew boys. But now they have this eighth boy. That Jesse's wife would not have liked. And most people believe that the reason that he was even in the house is because out of honor, Jesse would have taken care of him, but the mother most likely had died. So now Samuel is looking for the right boy and he sees all these, these seven Hebrew boys and the Bible would say, but then this good looking, tall, dark and handsome rolled up. And Samuel looked at him and said, that's him. But David was ignored by his fathers, hated by his brothers. You can read it. That's why David would pen, though my father and mother reject me, Psalm 27, the Lord would bring me in. But when David is facing a giant, he chooses not to look back on the pain. He chooses to look back on the victory. See, our life, we all have a story. We all have a story. Some are worse than others, but we all have a story of pain. And we can all go back in pain. And we can all be paralyzed by our pain. Or we can choose to see the faithfulness of God in our story. 
See, you either have a history or you have his story. And I may have been rejected by my father and I, and I may not know where my mother is and my brothers might hate me and everybody might have ignored me, but, but God has been faithful. God has called me. God has been working on, I've been singing songs and I thought I was just depressed, but I didn't realize that, that God was doing something on the inside of me and I've been seeking God. I didn't know God already found me and I, I look different and I act different and, and I'm not like my brothers. I'm not like my family, but what I didn't know is all of this has been preparing me. You have a decision. Do you look back on the pain? Or do you choose to have a miracle memory? I have a very close friend whose mother was raped and the mom went into the hospital and the doctor said, we must abort right now. And the mom was raped by a stranger in an alleyway in New York City. And the mom said, I'm going to keep the baby. And at 18, my friend found out what had happened to her and found out her father was not her real father. And she went into a tailspin. But then she thought about her mom and the bravery of her mother. And she said, I want to help women and empower women. And today she works with an organization that helps women who have been caught in the sex slavery, sex trafficking, have been caught up in different abuse situations. And she is now a woman of empowerment because she chose to have a miracle memory and to say, I don't know why my mom was raped and I don't know why all this happened. I don't know why, but, but here's where I am and I'm gonna use it for the glory of God because if, if you don't use it for the glory of God, the devil will use it. Number four, number four, we gotta go. Number four, you need a dedication to your future. Verse 39, Saul finally consents and he says, okay, you're going to go against Goliath. And, and David says, or, and Saul says, okay, but you're going to have to put on this armor. Verse 39, you got you to put on this armor. Saul was already rejected as king. But the rejected will try to put on you what God has rejected and say, this is how you have to be. This is what you have to do. This is how you have to look. This is how you have to sound. This is how you, but God said, I rejected all that. And David tried putting it on and he threw it off. He said, I can't go in these. Verse 39, I can't go in these. I can't go where God is calling me to go in what God has rejected. And I'm so dead. I, I can't go. Future. David was so dedicated to his future that he threw off everything. David rejected everything God rejected in order to be able to go where God wanted him to go. I can't go in these. And people will try to box you in and say, you have to be like this and do like this and look like this and act like in the world system. It's such an amazing quote about liberalism and authoritarianism. And the quote said that 
every time you see radical liberalism, you will also see radical authoritarianism. In other words, believe how we believe or else. <laughs> There's no right or wrong unless you say it or else. <laughs> and, the, and the world right now is trying to put a coat on the church that God has rejected. An identity that God has rejected. A way of doing things that God has rejected. And I'm not talking about any certain political thing. I'm just talking about the world system, y'all. Get, don't get it twisted. Don't, don't imagine what you think. I'm talking about everything. Because the world is saying, You're, you, you better be like this or else. And Saul said, you better put this on. And David said, I, I know where I'm going. And I can't go in these Everyone has a plan for your life. <laughs> but you better know who you are and you better know what you're committed to. You better know who your God is because everybody's going to have a, a plan for your life. You know, I love my mom. My mom, oh, my mom's so sweet. Every time we talk on the phone, she goes, so when are you moving home? <laughs> my mom loves me and has a wonderful plan for my life. And my mom would love if I was in Belen, New Mexico right now. She would love it. But I can't go in these. I love her. And it would be the greatest day of her life if I said, I'm moving, I'm moving back to New Mexico. And she always said, when are you going home? And I go, I'm, I'm home. I'm actually on my couch right now. I'm home. I'm home. I'm in California. It's my home. I'm talking about even innocent things. But people will try to put something on you and say, that's how you got to be. But I can't go in these because I'm so committed to my future. Number five. You need a radical faith. A radical faith. All right, go ahead and shout. I'm more comfortable when y'all yell with me. But I'm the only one yelling. I'm like, man, they're so scared right now. Sorry. A radical faith. David said in verse 47, this is the Lord's battle. I didn't choose this fight. This is God's fight. And if I'm in it, that must mean God has a plan of victory. <laughs> David said, this is the Lord's battle and he will give you to us. When I'm in the fight, I don't lose the faith. When I'm in the fight, I say, okay, God, this is your fight. Now, I'm going to agree and I'm going to throw a stone. But you're going to have to do what only you can do. I'll declare, I'll obey, I'll trust, I'll believe, I'll confess, I'll decree, I'll, I'll do all I know to do. But at the end, God, I'm not the God of miracles. You're the God of miracles. So, God, if I'm in the fight, it's actually not my fight. It's your fight. You might be sick in here right now. You need to say, Lord, this is your fight. Maybe you're believing for a breakthrough in some part of your life. God, this is your fight. God, do a miracle because I didn't choose this. We do not fight for victory. We fight from victory. For the battle has already been won. Goliath. Goliath of Gath. 
Goliath, Goliath of Gath, Gal, Gotha, Goliath, Goliath of Gath, Gal, Gotha. Theologians tell us that Golgotha is really not a good transliteration for the place of the skull. But rather, when David would have come back to Jerusalem with Goliath's head, after he took him down, cut his head off, you could not bring a Philistine head into the holy city of Jerusalem. It would have defiled it. So he would have went up on a hill. sorry I'm not trying to react this way he would have went up on a hill and they tell us for a couple of days you would have put that head on a stake outside the city to let every enemy know that there was a battle but it has been won and then after a few days it would have dug a hole and they would have taken Goliath of Gath's head and they would have dropped it in the ground and they would have covered it and they would have named that hill Delgotha, the place of the skull the place of Goliath's skull and a few hundred years later a man would come but he wasn't a normal man he was the God man Oh, don't forget that in verse 3, Goliath said, give me a man. And God said, I'll never forget those words, devil. (laughs) So about 2,000 years ago, God said, I'll give you a man. And this man will destroy death, hell, (laughs) and the grave. I need somebody to shout with me because I'm about to lose my mind. And God gave the devil a man, a perfect man, a sinless man. A holy man, uh, uh, not just a good man, a God man. Uh, And Jesus showed up. uh, And for 30 years, he lived a sinless life. And for three years, he did miracles and did awesome wonders. And then for three hours, on the place of the skull, he, on a hill outside the city, he purchased your victory. He purchased your freedom. He purchased your soul. And no matter what you're going through right now, because of the cross, and because of Golgotha, and because of the Son of David conquering every giant, we now have the victory. Can we stand on our feet and give Jesus the greatest shout? The greatest praise. Come on, give him glory. Give him glory. Give him honor. Come on, the God. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. We hope you are blessed.